Hello again, this is Mike Bolton with Live Like Jesus, another lesson on our bi-weekly podcast. I appreciate you following and checking in with us, and I hope the things that we have taught and said here have been beneficial to you and edifying in your faith. Today I want to talk to you and begin a series of studies with you that I've entitled Issues of Distinction. You know, many people today want to be just like those who are around them. I think often of the story of the people of Israel found in 1 Samuel chapter 8. They demanded that Samuel give them a king so that they could be like the groups, like the nations that were around them. In spite of the warnings that God gave them through his faithful prophet Samuel, they still wanted to be like those nations who were around them. It's not much different for us today. Many times people, men and women find themselves wanting to align themselves with the denominations, wanting to align themselves and appease those of different faiths. And there's a problem with that. Because the one true religion, the one true church that Jesus built, has a very specific doctrine, has very specific dogma that is taught, that is believed, and that is practiced. And I want to talk about a few of those things over the next few lessons and hopefully edify us and strengthen our resolve not to be different so much, but strengthen our resolve to be faithful to what God expects and to what God teaches in His most holy word. Our first issue of distinction today is to be found with the existence of God. You might think that this is a strange one to begin with, preacher, but I think that it is the proper place to begin. For us to learn big and complicated things, we need to start out with baby steps. We need to start out with small things. Now, as we delve into the existence of God as an issue of distinction, we're going to just cover over the tops of a few points. We're not going to dig in very deep. The things that we say are introductory. They, there is the potential, the possibility of going much more. And some have made careers, made it the focus of their entire life to study this issue of distinction. An issue of distinction is something that is there so that we do not artificially put up barriers. Something that is there so that we study matters that determine our faith, matters of merit. This is so that we can present our conviction on such matters in the proper spirit and speak the truth in love. Therefore, if an issue is such that it is one of distinction, we need to be able to explain why we believe the way that we believe and to present reasons why those who differ ought to reconsider their convictions. Let us notice, first of all, the issue of distinction called the existence of God. The importance of this issue is high. It is very great. If God does not exist, then atheists and agnostics are on the side of truth, and there is no supreme being or deity to which we must give an account. That means for us today, there is no judgment day. That also means, as good as that may sound to some, that there is no heaven and there is no hell. 
There's no judgment to come to divide the righteous and to vindicate God's holiness. There's no reason for us to hold ourselves accountable to anyone but our own whims and our own pleasures. If there is no God, that means there's no right and no wrong. We can literally do whatever is right in our own eyes because there's no good and no evil. We could live like they did of old time with the motto, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. When we go into the ground, that's it. If there is no God, when we die, there is no more. But on the other hand, if God does exist, and if there is a supreme being to whom we must give an account, we owe it to ourselves to learn everything that we can about this supreme being, about this great deity. We need to learn about the nature of God. We need to learn what God requires of his people. Such a search for knowledge concerning this God is lifelong. There's no doubt about that. But that surely is a life well worth living. James D. Bells, in his book, Christian, Contend for Thy Faith, said, if any, in any controversy, the burden of proof rests upon those who argue in the affirmative. In other words, argue for such an issue. So what are the evidences? That's what we need to consider today. What are the evidences that affirm that God does exist? First of all, we find the ontological argument. This argument was espoused by Anselm, who was a theologian and a philosopher. Also, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury in about 1100 AD. And this argument runs something like this. If man can have the concept of a perfect God, then he must exist. It's based upon the premise that everything that man can know or can think is based upon some reality, even though that reality may be, and often is, perverted. J.D. Thomas said in his book, Facts and Faith, this is probably one of the weakest of the philosophical arguments for the existence of God. To many, this argument is unconvincing. And certainly I can understand why Mr. Thomas would say such a thing as that. Then there's a general argument, at least that's what it's called. This argument is based upon the universal belief in God and the most religious and the religious instinct. In other words, men in all the world and throughout all time not only believe in deity, but also engage in acts of worship. The Apostle Paul, standing before men in the city of Athens, many, many uh, centuries ago, said, and it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 and 27, And he, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Listen now. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from all of us, from each one of us. The religious principle is extremely potent. 
in all nations, dominating their thought and their history, even the most pagan nations in North Central Asia, I think that's where it would be, where they would be found, there is an element of religion among those tribes and those clans. Farrell Jenkins, in his introduction to Christian evidences, said, Everywhere the human heart has a craving for God, there will be exceptions as individuals. But the exceptions do not invalidate the rule. The atheist is an exception in every society, both contemporary societies and historical societies. The argument, this general argument, argues this way. Since there is in the universe those things that satisfy man's deepest longings, there must be a reality. Reality is another way of saying there must be a God that complements and meets this universal craving for a supreme being. Sociologists have long said that humanity is in its very base and most core aspect a spiritual being, a spiritual existence. Then there's the cosmological argument. This is an argument based on the first cause. The cosmos or the universe is an effect is in effect that has adequate cause. The theist believes in that Genesis chapter one verse one reveals that adequate cause. In Genesis 1, verse 1, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In other words, the cosmological argument says that in the beginning, God, the existence of God in the beginning is the first cause. Common objection to this argument is, then who created God? It's important to bear in mind that the law that states that every effect has a cause also applies to things that are physical. God, by definition, is not physical. And therefore, God is not bound by laws which we can only discern with our physicality, things that apply to us physically. We learn in John chapter 4, verse 24, that God is a spiritual being. There Jesus says to the woman at the well, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, Jesus is in effect saying that the only way one, a human being can comprehend the existence of God and even its most faint realization is to recognize that God is a spirit. His omnipresence, as we read about in the book, Old Testament book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 23 his omnipresence is but one example of how he, God, defies the laws of nature. Jeremiah 23 and verse 23, God says, If they had stood in my counsel, let's back up to verse 21. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, says the Lord? 
Do I not fill heaven and earth, says God Almighty? This argument does not apply to him, this cosmological argument, because God is spirit. And as spirit, he is everywhere at all times. He is, we might say, the uncaused cause of all things. Then we have, for our admonition today, the teleological argument. This is an argument that is based on the evidence of design in the universe. Evidence of a design suggests a designer. This makes sense. This is logical. A watch shows design. It shows the necessity of a watchmaker. To credit such intricate and precise workmanship to blind chance as what we have in the universe, as what we have demonstrated in our own human bodies, is unreasonable. It is illogical. Examples of design in the universe are many. Some examples are the orderly movement of the heavenly bodies where there's no collision, no collision, making space travel then possible for human beings. Examples of design in the universe could be animal instinct, such as the migration, the orderly and timely migration of, of birds to the south as winter comes, of salmon as it comes time for them to leave their eggs and go out into the ocean. Contemplation upon the universe and the human body rightfully produces great awe. In Psalm 19, verse 1 and 2, we read, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. We can also read Psalm 139 and verse 14 and Romans chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 where David and Paul makes the argument that the very creation itself is a testimony of the existence of God and leaves humanity without an excuse as they stand before God. But there's other arguments that we must hasten on to consider today. The moral argument is one. This is also sometimes called the anthropological argument. It's based upon reality that everywhere people have a sense of what is right and what is wrong. In certain circumstances, certain things should be done, and certain things should never be done no matter the circumstance. People are concerned that people in other places act in a certain way. That People are concerned, and rightfully so, that sometimes people in other places do not act in the way that they should. Atheists and agnostics those who disbelieve in the existence of an almighty God also have a sense of justice. They are angered when, it is, when that sense of justice is violated. Rape and murder tends to anger and irritate even the most vile and wretched of the atheists and agnostics. Then there's what is called the aesthetical argument. This argument is based upon the presence of beauty and sublimity in the universe. It observes that you have both the presence of beauty in nature itself, as well as an art that is produced by man. And the response of man to such beauty is a mark in the favor of the aesthetical argument. How did this beauty, how did the ability to appreciate this beauty 
develop? Was it the chance of merely happening, a blind chance? Or did it come to from some supreme being, some reality somewhere, who is not only intelligent, but is also moral and artistic? Psalm 96, verse 4 through 6. David writes, saying, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. This is Mike Bolton with Live Like Jesus. I hope that you've pre appreciated and been edified by the beginning of this series. May God bless you richly. Have a great day.